for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Top of the morning, everybody. Today's episode is a banger. Today's guest is the bowhunting fiend, Greg Litzinger. I've had him on a couple times before. This one is a good one. Get your pad of paper and pen and be ready to write a lot. All right, welcome to the Fall Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is 169, and today's is information overload with Greg Litzinger. Today's podcast is all about hunting big woods. We talk about scrapes and all different types of scrapes, scenarios on scrapes, and we talk about rubs and hunting rubs and beds in big in big timber areas. But we also talk about how Greg breaks down when he finds a big rub. He loves rubs. When he finds a big rub and he knows that it's a big deer and it's a deer he wants wants to pursue, how he finds the bed from that rub. So it's really cool. We get into a lot of different scenarios, hunting acorns in big woods, what he does when it's just a mass drop of acorns and you don't really know where to go. We get into that as well. So this one's a good one. It really is. Like I said, there's a lot of info in this one. So you might want to put this one on repeat uh, or just write a lot of notes. So um, I do want to say thank you everybody out there for all your support. All the downloads, that is greatly appreciated. Last month, we had an unbelievable amount of downloads. Thank you very much. Uh, people are reaching out to me like crazy, saying they really enjoy the podcast and love the guest and and love all the questions and, and the topics and everything, and I can't thank you guys enough. So um, with that being said, please do go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and, and put a written review in there. That'd be greatly appreciated. So I'm going to get over this interview with Greg. Thank you guys very much. And uh, right here is that interview. 
All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast, and today I've got a return guest from New Jersey. Greg, I think you've been on three, I think this is your third time or maybe fourth, I can't remember, but you've been on a couple times. Yeah, uh, got some history. We do have some history, and so for anybody listening to this, it's Greg Litzinger, the bow hunting fiend. If you don't know who he is, you've been living under a rock for way too long. <laughs> you got to go check him out. Um, if you've been listening to hunting podcast or on YouTube in the hunting world, you've you've seen the bow hunting fiend. You've had to. <laughs> the guy's around. He he knows his shit. So I'm gonna just put that out there right now. So Greg, thank you for coming back on, man. Yeah, man, no problem. Today. I wanted to get into hunting the big woods and I know you and I have done a podcast about hunting big woods, but that was like mm-hmm. at the beginning of when I started this podcast, I want to say it was like episode 17. I just kind of want to bring up some new things that I have. I mean, that was like three years ago. I want to bring up some new, th- yeah. new questions I have. I watch your videos. There's some tidbits that you put in your videos. I'm like, damn it. I need to pick his brain about that. <laughs> like, I want to know about that. Like what, like, so I'm ready to get into this, man. If, if you're right. good with it. Yeah, I'm good. Let's do it. So I guess first and foremost, before we get into the big woods thing, what are you going to change this year? Come in, you know, we're in the off season right now. What, what are you changing? Anything big, any bow setups, tree stand setups, saddles? Like what, what are you doing? I haven't yeah, really caught still- up much. Yeah, still I'll be using saddle, but I'll be using uh, Latitude. Uh, There's two panel saddle this year. Um, Using um, the what's it? The Berserker, not his. No, the what's it from Wild Edge? The the platform. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm using that. I've been kind of liking that um, because I do hunt some bigger trees. It's a little bit wider platform. I don't really need like a platform that's like long off the tree. So it's a little bit wider and testing here in the backyard. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty nice. Um, I mean, I still got my tethered, uh, platform. Nothing's like money, you know, you set that thing up blindfolded, you know, but, uh, just a few different things. And as far as actually where I'll be hunting, you know, the funny, funny that you actually talk, called me about doing big woods. I'm kind of sticking to some big wood type timber properties closer to home. Okay. Um, you know, family man and, you know, less, you know, I've had to take some time off this year because of the whole, uh, everything shut down. So I used up some days. I don't have as many days to hunt this year. So my time's going to be spent closer to home. You know, it's a 30 minute max. I'm not driving an hour to hunt anymore unless I'm going out of state. So I'm kind of trying to stay as local as possible. You know, there's a couple, you know, Millville Wildlife Management Area for anybody that might be from New Jersey. I'm kind of focusing on that area a little bit. Okay. And a few little, few little pockets closer to home. I'm trying to stick to areas where I'm getting, you know, 800 plus acres minimum. Of 800 like unbroken. plus? Yeah, 800 plus acres. Okay. Um, you know, which is kind of hard here in Jersey because there's only a few um, spots that have that type of, you know, uh, big woods type. I don't give too much away if anybody's listening, but that's <laughs> kind of, <laughs> I was trying to leave it at that. Like I, I want to be able to just drive, you know, 30 minutes, you know, and have a, you know, maybe a, a 20 minute walk. Right. Um, instead of, you know, driving an hour and a half, loading up the canoe, catching the tide, like doing all that stuff I was doing. I'm going to kind of take a break from that 
yeah, I still might throw a couple sit or two this year doing that just because it's fun. But I think majority of my my time is going to be focusing on the big woods. I got gotcha. you. Um, just like it's uh, we all know, everybody's busy on time, and yeah, I feel guilty. Um, if I take a week, if I take vacation and I'm hunting home, I don't really hunt that much. So if I figure I can hunt after work or just hunt on the weekends, I can still get a lot of hunting in close to home, you know, and still be present at home. Exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. So with the 800 plus acres, this might be just a stupid question, but why are you looking for something that big? For, for me, uh, as, cause I've always dabbled in big woods as most people know, but I think around the 800,000 acre mark, if you catch a buck somewhat in the middle of that, that acreage, you know, and you find a nice bed, some good, you know, staging errors or some rubs, he's spending majority of his time probably in that general area. Let's say you got a, you know, a hundred acre piece, you know, and you catch a glimpse of a buck. He might just be passing through or he might be bedding close to that. The odds of you being able to hunt him, kill him on the public could be very difficult. You know, yeah. outside of like the, the rut or the first week, a couple weeks of season or whatever, you know. So for me, you know, I think if you hunt the bigger, bigger tracks, you get on a buck, especially now with trail cameras, you know, I, I'm, I'll run cameras, getting a little bit better at the camera game here these last couple of years. Um, and some of these bigger woods bucks, I guess you would call them, they're, they're kind of homebodies, you know, they, they might venture off a little bit, but they're in those little isolated pockets, those little seams that no humans really go into. Yeah. And they usually just will stay in there. Like they know how to avoid humans. You know, they're reaching four or five years old. If they're betting in the middle of say 800 acres or a thousand acres or betting in it, odds are he's betting there a lot, you know, and in order to kill a deer, like you have to be there when he's there or be on the property where he's going to be that day. So them smaller pieces, they still can pay off. You know, but I think, you know, they, they don't, it don't take much pressure to bump them off them hundred acre pieces, you know, or like a little bit of ag and, and stuff like that. Cause there's little wood lots, you know, here in Jersey, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of hunting pressure like Michigan. Yeah. So, and small tracks, you know, usually small tracks, easy access, easy walking, you know, and they're just like, nope, later. Yeah. No, that makes total sense too, because I have a small track here also, and my whole philosophy is stay the heck out and let all the other people push the deer to me kind of thing. It's not like yep. the thing I hang my hat on, but that's one thing that I do look at that's like the more I stay out, the more that the deer are going to want to be here. So exactly. that's that's kind of – and it's private, you know, so it's something yep. I'm always going to hunt, but it's, it's something – and I just talked about it on a podcast recently. I monitor cell cams on it a lot. You know, and I let yeah. the cell cams do the work because it is, it's a micro chunk and, yeah. you know, and that's when I, I kind of strategically move in when I, when I know the time's right and a deer showing up in daylight. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, it's key so for any, you know, if you got say 2000 acre piece, if you bump a buck out, he's not going to go to the next County because he's got cover a hundred yards away, 200 yards away. Exactly. Whatever, and he's going to just bed back down. But if you already got, you know, a 50 acre piece, some fields and a couple little low lying spots, if you bump them out of his primary bed or bed would feel safe. If you get like really close where he smells you, he's got nowhere else to go except to leave that, that premise, that property. Mm -hmm. Cause he's like, he, 
he puts himself, he's not betting in the best possible spot for a safety. So he's like, man, get out of here. You know? Yeah, definitely. And you know, he, he bookmarks that in his head too, when he gets pressure, yep. you know, mm-hmm. if it's human pressure or a predator or something like that, they know, you know, they know yeah. it happened right there at that, you know, little Creek crossing or what that, whatever yep. it was, they know. And it's, it's bookmarked, not saying he'll never come back, but it's, like you said, high pressured state like a Michigan and New Jersey, yeah. it's few far between, you know. Yeah. Or you just make him to a point where he's just strictly running the last five or ten minutes of, of daylight. Sure. And that gray light area. And, it, and unless you know where he's bedding, you know, if you can sneak in, like those deer are just really difficult to hunt. And you're just stacking the odds in his favor versus yours. And, you know, we all know that's a losing game. You know, if you're putting <laughs> yes. the odds in his favor, He's going to win 99.9% of the time. And, you know, I mean, you're not even getting a 5% chance, nope. you know, a 2% chance. So you're you're dealing with, you know, micro percentages. He's just got to go somewhere else. Yeah. You know? No, I agree. And that's where us, us as hunters, it's always an away game, man. It doesn't matter if you own the private piece. Where they live mm-hmm. there, that's their home home mm-hmm. turf. You know, we're every yep. time we go into hunt, it's an away game. You got the crowd against you, you got everything, you yep. know. So, yeah, absolutely. But how many of these chunks close to close to home this year are new chunks that you've, you know, haven't hunted before? Any of them? The one is brand new. I started scouting it this year and have been rewarded with some major, I mean, monster buck sign. I mean, okay. just like, wow. <laughs> you know, I did a, <laughs> uh, the last post I did, the uh, picture of the stick in the bed in the swamp. That's yep. Yeah, that's in that Millville piece, and that is just like probably the bed, the, the best bed I've ever found. No it's kidding. The, the way it's set up, how it's set up, strategically located in the swamp. And you just look around, and you're like, wow, this is just. I was like, I was like taken back. I'm like, this is just crazy. Like I was like, I, I'm like getting bit up by bugs, mosquitoes. And I'm like, <laughs> I remember just like sitting in it, just looking around, like he's basically unkillable in this bed because the thermals going to be. Oh, it's like in a low spot. Thermals are all going to be pulling down. Like the, the only chance I would have to probably kill that deer is either in the evening in the rain, you know, yep. or find his entrance in the morning, which, you know, where he was bedded and there's just trails everywhere. It's like, I have an idea where he might be bedded, but you know, odds are I'll probably never see that deer, you know, with my own eyes. You know, he's just like, it's just one of those spots. It's like, you just bravo. You just got to clap your hands. And look <laughs> at him like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just like, the high mound, the lone high mound in the swamp, down like a bowl. You know, I'm like, deer, deer have been there for probably 100 years or whatever, 80 years. You know, it's just like that good of a spot. Yeah. So that that and some of the rubs I found, some of these big signpost rubs, it's like, you know, so to get that type of um, sign, you know, first time ever scouting it. You know, I started scouting it in end of January, and I probably spent – most of my time in that piece. Um, and it's a, like I said, I'm, I'm actually excited. I was talking to my buddy, Tony and my buddy, Johnny, or Johnny Stewart about it and showing some of the pictures. And I haven't been this excited for September Jersey archery in a long time. Really? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, it's like really like, wow. Okay. And I, I got a picture of a, I put a camera out and I got a picture of a hammer and was it, uh, May 25th. Wow. And he's, yeah, May 25th. And it was like, 
I call him like the tail corner of, uh, of the camera. You know, I had all the other bucks out in front. He kind of just skirted the bottom, but he has probably four or five inch brow tines. He was out past his ears. He probably had, you know, five inch G2s. And so it's like biggest hair I've ever gotten in, in that this time of year. Yep. Uh, in velvet everywhere. And I'm like, like, he's just that big. It's like, wow. So. <laughs> And that's in that general area where I find all those big buck signs. I'm like, all right, it's probably him. You know, it yep. might be one or two. Yep. But it's uh, encouraging. You know, I got yeah, a bunch yeah. of smaller bucks, but he's the one that's like, so I put out a bunch of more, a bunch of other cameras looking for him. And okay. I wanted to go check the one uh, last week, but my ankle's all jacked up. So it's probably better I don't go in there and I'll blow him out, but I'm so. And like it's been a month. I'm safe. I can get in there. Yeah, right. But it's probably best if I just leave him alone. But I just want to know where he's at because uh, all the beds I found and the rubs and if the food, the acorns crops kind of the same because there is no ag out there. You know, the browse should stay the same. Like I don't see him changing much of his you know much of his travel patterns yep. or routine. Now with this scenario right here, you know we're recording this is early July. So you've got pictures of good bucks. It's a new piece. It's a big, big acre piece or big timber piece. Yes. Uh, you got good beds, like the best bed you feel like you've ever found. You're a bed hunter. Yes. So yes. what is, like, where are you starting now? You know, you've already started scouting it. So that's key number one. What do you, what's, what's your game plan now? You said you want to get in there. You're so excited. But like, how yeah. do you like tell yourself to pump the brakes and not, like pressure much or are you are you not even worried about that i don't you know i i've never really been a big summer scouter um until you know i became a dad and it, it's become a necessity i guess yep because i don't you know before i was married had kids i just scouted every chance i got i was in the woods you know from january to like you know about june and then i wouldn't really step in the woods i'm like i got enough until I got enough of my trees are, are marked. I, I climb in there with the climber, you know, hang on, whatever I was using at the time. And all my trees were set up perfect. I'm like, I don't need to come back. Like, I'm good. Now it's like I scout. I'm like, man, that tree is good. But I don't have any of my, you know, I don't have my saddle with me or anything. So I'm like, I could probably hunt out of that. Odds are I can't hunt it out of a tree. From the ground, it looks good. I'm like, oh, yeah, that'll be great. You yeah. come in there now, it's like, I can't see shit. <laughs> you know, so it's like, so it's like, Trying to pick a trees in, in February, March is just horrible, you know, especially in thick, big wood swamp type areas. Because once that vegetation grows up, you know, here it'll, it'll stay thick until middle of, you know, middle of November, the leaves start to really fall. It gets real kind of barren, you know, and by like December, it's kind of barren. Well, I don't, I don't gun hunt. So by December, you know, the trees I'm looking at, yeah, I can hunt them in December, but I need to hunt them in October. September. Right. So it's like I had to be real selective on the trees. So I've been using the summertime scouting to find trees for October. Um, and by summertime scouting is like now I'll get a little aggressive and I'll taper off at the end of July, you know, and I don't really get in the woods in August. I try and stay out cause we have our, our season starts really early. It's like the, what the second week of September, mm-hmm. second Saturday. So my spots, I don't want to be in there like super aggressive because all the other people come middle of August, they start scouting, putting out their bait piles. Everybody's going there, checking their, their cameras every week. So they're putting the deer on notice in August. I want to be done by August. I have my trees, I have my 
my way is going in or out, you know, somewhat, you know, not a hundred percent yeah, and kind of be done and just wait it out. That makes total sense. And it's, it's the summertime scouting. It's, it's tricky. Cause you know that those deer are going to be on a pattern for summer, but it's going to switch. So it's really hard yeah. to, you know, not get jacked up and get emotionally attached to a deer in a pattern yep. in July and August when you know it's going to like just switch like here in Michigan it's October 1st as the opener. Yeah. You know, so I have this like buffer time if it if if he's doing the same thing in daylight 5 days for opener, then I'm going to get really yeah. excited about it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. leading up to that, it's just I know he's in the area and I just got to, you know, strategically pick my best spots and when the yeah. time is right and just strike kind of thing. Um, and that's that's too like um I think it depends on like for me like getting in there setting up tree up or anything. If it's a, a scrape or like a rut spot I'll get there and I'll do it in, you know, September, you know, cause you got to pick like your, what, depends on what you're, what you're trying to, to hunt, how right. you're trying to hunt. If you're hunting a scrape, you can trim it up first week of October or go in there, set your stand up, do whatever you need to do because them bucks for the most part aren't in that general area, you know, especially on like a bigger, bigger timber tracks, you know? And if you know your woods, like, you know where the deer are at that time of year. So pick and choose when you got to get in there like for may early september oaks are starting to drop it does kind of change how they move so i'll walk the cart roads and everything all fire roads and cart roads and look for crossings look for acorns you know get an idea of like all right i have some good intel sign over here but now i got some food over here so they might kind of be bedded here or not bedded here if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. So are you almost like kind of scouting the fringes when you do that and not getting deep? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Especially like right, you know, a couple of weeks before the season. Yep. I try not to go in, in anything that might hold my scent unless it's raining. If it's raining, I'll go in there. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, uh, yeah. It makes sense. Put my waders on and have at it, you know? Yeah. So scenario here, hypothetically, let's say you have a good let's call it a good early season spot set up and like you're like this is dynamite and then you kind of do your fringe scouting and you see like a mass acorn drop that might screw that spot for one reason or the other how are you adjusting to that and that's that's a that's a tricky part uh for here sometimes because it's all acorns so a lot of the beds you know can you sometimes are totally food related, like, like ag, you know, if there's, once they cut the beans down, the deer are going somewhere else or vice right. versa, you know? So if you got pretty much a thousand acre and it's 6% is oaks, oaks are dropping everywhere. So, um, you got to kind of hope it stays the same, <laughs> right? Yeah. You got a little, a, little, a little bit of hope, but if it, if it changes, you know, that that's where being mobile kind of comes in. You know, and you got to kind of always be ready to hunt when you're walking in. You know, yep. I've, I've killed a lot of deer by like, that's a big track. But I want to go over here and look at that track and you're like, oh, where's that track going? And you kind of follow the track because you know there's bedding to the right. And you're like, oh, look, there's food over here. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's probably an evening spot. So I'm going to go head back across that cart road, you know, and head towards that bedding and try and, you know, set up that way. Yeah. You know, so 
always be ready to hunt. I guess a lot of people are, I mean, I've been guilty of it. I think we all are like, we're so set in our ways. Like, sure. This is the spot. I got to get to this tree and this tree only. Yep. That only works if you're, for me, if you're hunting a specific buck bed, you know, if you're hunting food or, or browse, like you got to be able to, you got to be adaptable. Like you kind of got to go with the flow, like, all right. And let the deer tell you, you know, read the sign and, and hunt that sign that you're seeing. Yeah. Are you, so are you hunting, let's say you find an oak tree that is like a, like a big oak, you know, it's, it's a mature mm-hmm. oak dropping a lot of acorns and you see just deer sign underneath it like crazy. Let's say it's October 2nd, you know, um, still, or that's still early. I know you guys start in September, but yeah. like for the majority of people start in October 1st, let's say it's that first week of October and you're kind of going in for a set and you come come across this oak tree that's just dropping crazy amounts of acorns and there's so much like deer tracks and everything underneath mm-hmm. it what are you doing for actually i actually had this happen in new york a few years ago i was uh hunting the swamp in the morning and scouting you know hunting scouting and because i had morning spots so i figured they'd be doing in the evening i was like well it's just i'm freelance hunting basically yep and i stumbled upon a tree like two trees, it was just like hogs were underneath of it. It was just tore up, just rubs, you know, droppings, tracks everywhere. And it was like, and you know, it's like, you're in like that knee deep browse of brush oh, stuff. Yeah. Like I think it, you know, I, I call it blueberry brush. I don't know what it is, but it's like, as soon as I, I'm, I'm standing around the seat, I'm like, oh my God, I'm in it. I'm like, <laughs> the game is over. Like I'm touching everything, my hands are everything. It's all hot and everything. So I'm like, ah. So I literally, I just back out. I was like, all right, try to, get to what the wind's going to be doing that evening and got within 30 yards of that tree. And that night, yo, 30, 40 yards of that tree. Cause I could shoot 40, 50 yards. So I think I got about 40 yards from that tree, um, on the se- severe downwind side as what I think would, would have been the downwind side. And I was covered up in deer and I was just watching how they're all kind of filtering out as one area, but to the right, they were kind of, almost like single filing down to this tree. So the next morning, you know, I kind of sat in the same thing and had seen a really good buck. And then that, that night I was face to face with a buck and I just couldn't get a shot off. You know, it was $2. just ran out of daylight and I was pretty much the end of the trip for me. So for me, you find something like that, just throw a sit or two at it. You got a few days mm-hmm. and the downward side and, and see where they're coming from. Because it could be surprised, like where I thought the deer would be coming out of, it wasn't the case. If I would have been like twenty yards, I would have been busted. Twenty right. yards downwind of that tree, so I was kind of like a, a 40, 40 yards like crosswind from that tree, and you know like, I could see how the woods was coming alive, and it allowed me to, you know, get out without really bumping the deer out because you know there's still deer feeding down. It's super quiet getting down. I kind of just tiptoed my way out of the woods, and I didn't bump the deer, you know, off the tree. Yep. So the downwind, the wind was blowing what direction? Do you remember? It was blowing. I think it was blowing. It was a, it was a weird wind too. It's like a east. It was warm. It was a east southeast. I'm not mistaken. Because it was like nothing ever blows out of east southeast. You know, and I think it was like one of those odd, strange winds. Yep. And I'm like, this is just like horrible. Because. I don't hunt many winds like that. So you, you, you encounter those winds. You're like, that's oh, a downwind side. And you look at it, you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Cause you're like, you, you know, oh, predominant north wind. You know, everybody kind of sets up with that. Oh, north wind, west wind. 
plus like an east southeast kind of like tapering you know between south and east so it was, it was an odd wind and i think that's why the deer were coming from where they were coming because it gave them you know they were kind of walking the swamp edge and that thermal pools probably helping them out and for me being as far as away as i was i think it allowed me not to have my thermals you know head right. towards the tree right so the wind was blowing from the east southeast going yeah. you know west northwest like so where were you set yeah. up i was it's basically the east and they draw it up and fast so i'm just trying to east, paint a picture here for everybody yeah. east southeast the tree was too blowing out of the east. yeah the tree was to my right i'm actually sitting in yeah i was facing the tree okay tree was to my right and it was blowing like from yeah because i shoot from the left so was, the wind was kind of like blowing in my face almost like on my on my like uh left cheek if that makes sense yep so were you were you sitting like northwest of the tree yeah that was probably the yeah i guess that's right yeah so no when when I look at that scenario and you're basically like you said you're on the downwind side, you yeah. you know the wind is blowing past you, so yeah. did that scare you at all? Knowing or thinking that deer are going to be trying to enter this with the wind to their face at all? Yeah, yeah, it was like one of those things where running out of time and being able to have some type of clear opening because it's kind of thick right um so it's like i'm kind of rolling the dice and that's why i kind of backed off like 40 yards and i actually i think i was up probably like, i think 28 feet too like i was up so pretty, pretty high. high yeah so I was, I was putting as much advantage i can give myself further away from the tree and as high as i could possibly get i got you and the deer you know they didn't because I think they were playing the thermals more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, because they like said them older, smart does. You know, they, she came in first, you know, and she was just like big, smart, like one step, you know, moving, oh, around, yeah. walking like a buckle would walk. Yep. You know, and she, how she was walking, it's like she kind of come out and open, and then kind of filtered down along the, the swamp edge. And I'm like, and she's staying just where the thermal pole is going to kick in. Mm-hmm. And then like that last, you know, 45 minutes light, you know, the, the sun dropped you know, behind the tree lines. And that's when the thermals kind of kick in and she's beeline right to that tree. Really? It was like clockwork, you know? Yeah. Gosh, it's crazy how they have that, like that little sense that just like hold yeah. tight a little bit, you know, yeah. we know once it gets a little cooler, the wind's going to yeah. be in our favor. And that's when they're like, okay, y- now it's time to go. Yeah. And those younger uh, fawns are, and they're going right in yearlings going right in, come from all different directions. But that old matriarch doe, she was like, and that buck did the same thing, except he kind of stayed. Because once I seen her, like he kind of came out and he stayed in the brush. Like he didn't expose himself at all. And he waited till those does came in from the downwind side. Then he kind of came in from the thickest part, which I thought was he was using the does as, you know, the, the scent hound best, I guess, yep. using them to see if they catch any scent. And then he kind of just came in straight beeline to the tree, like right at dark. Um, so he was using the does as a means of scent, catching the smell. And he was using his eyes, I guess. So smart deer, you know, yeah. deer like that are like crafty. 
Exactly. Did it? And so you said you hunted it the next morning again. Did it all? Did it scare you at all to go back into a food source like that in the morning? Yeah, I'm not a fan of it personally. Um, but like I said I seen I was going to shoot a doe the next morning, so it was like, well, I'm shooting something, right? You know, and nothing panned out, you know. Um, but yeah, it's in morning food. It, it's tough, you know, because I I hunt some properties around here where it's you got to kind of crawl on your hands and knees and there's old like crab apples everywhere mm-hmm. and you're always blowing deer out you know i've been like trying to get in there like super early two hours for light you're still blowing deer out you know it's like hunting on the bait pile almost yeah. you know it's like yep. you can you can never beat them there it's like man this is awful you know and then it's like you know if those you, you blow them off and it's like i was going to just blow for 30 minutes before daylight and you're like thanks right. appreciate that yep now, I got a scenario for you, too. So we're talking big woods here. So we're talking like big tracks of continuous timber. Now, let's say you got a good acorn crop. Like last year in Michigan, it great yeah. acorn crop. I mean, acorns were dropping everywhere. Deer were – it was so kind of hard to find deer in a way. Mm-hmm. Like you kept, you had to like pick a spot with some acorns and go and just see what happened. Yep. Now, when mm-hmm. you have a scenario like that, and let's say you have – tons of red and white oaks just dropping like crazy i know every scenario is different but how are you starting to try to pick that apart to figure out where to go are you literally throwing a dart like i'm gonna try this one out tonight i'm gonna try this one or is you know what what's what's getting you do what's getting you to to go to a certain spot the 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 quadrant i go if i got you know i'm lucky i can like a lot of vacation time usually so i can hunt two or three days in a row in the same area. So I'll do like the quadrant. I'm like, all right, I'm going to hunt in this spot, a lot of acorns, and I'm going to kind of break it down into thirds. I'm going to come over here and check out this quadrant, hunt that quadrant, and kind of scan, hunt it. You know, if nothing goes, I'll go a little bit further and hunt it, you know, scan it, scout it, you know, and kind of like scout your way in. Um, and because I had a, a scenario last year in this uh, piece of salt marsh, it is a big block of, you know, uh, probably a couple hundred acres of, of oaks, you know, like scrub oaks, and, and, but they're all white oaks and pin oaks, I think. They were all dropping. And I tried that quadrant style, and deer were everywhere. Like, it was so difficult to hunt. I got winded every time I hunted it. Because mm-hmm. you're like, all right, this is this. But because the wind swirls, and they're just coming from everywhere. And then you're like, well, that's just a you got to get a little bit of luck in those spots. Right. But yeah, just you know, scout your way in. Like, all right, I'm going to hunt this, say, you know, 100 yard block of timber. I'm going to kind of do like a quick scout, like zigzag back and forth, look for sign, you know, look for, you know, rubs, scrapes, whatever it might be. Because, you know, around here in Jersey, most food sources will get a scrape or two like the second week of October. Mm-hmm. And usually they're the youngins. You're like, all right. I got a bunch of smaller scrapes in the second week of October. I'm pushing a little bit further because odds are that buck is not coming out here in shooting light, especially right. in the evening, you know? So I'll, I'll push in a little bit further. But if I see like a big rub or like a big old like primary scrape that's really worked up, uh, that gets you like, well, maybe I shouldn't push in. I'll kind of sit within, you know, 30 yards of this spot, you know, and really glass and, and look, you know, in the next evening, push a little bit further if nothing happens. Okay. Now let's talk also you're in October first, second or third week of October. Let's say the first through the 20th of October. So 
when you're in the big woods and you're finding scrapes, let's, you know, cause you freelance hunt, you like to run and yeah. gun and everything you're walking through You're you're scouting while you're going as well. Yes. Now let's say you find a scrape that is just a lone solitary scrape. Don't really know if it's a primary scrape or not. You know, it might be, but it's really not like saying, yes, it is, but there's not a ton of cover around it. Are you stopping or are you keep, are no. you going? Go if there's, if there's not, if it's not like perimeter cover or like thick cover close by to me, it's like, eh, I'm not going to waste my time. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I know I have friends that will hunt them and they'll see nice bucks. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I not that a year and a half, year and a half old deer isn't nice. It's just something I'm not really interested in shooting. You know, um, I'd rather not shoot a year and a half. You know, I've, pulled the trigger a few times shooting deer and you see them, you shoot them and you get up to them. You're like, that's not the deer I thought that was, but yep. I'm so happy, you know? Yep. Um, but yeah, like those for me, like a big scrape in the big woods, there's gotta be some cover around it. It okay. can't just be like out in the open, like, Hey, look at me. For me, I, I look at them as like a field edge. Like everyone knows a field edge scrape. Right. I'm not wasting my time on those things. You might get lucky, you know, that could be the day that a buck comes through you know, a half hour before dark. But in my experience, I'm, I'm not a lucky guy. So <laughs> <laughs> I take those things. I'm like, eh, the odds of that working for me is slim to none. Mm-hmm. So I'll just push in a little bit further. Now, if that scrape is say a bunch of scrapes, five, six, seven scrapes, all within, you know, like a 10 yard section. Now that's something that's like, okay, that's a little bit more, but like a lone scrape out in the open, I'm walking. Okay. Let's say you do have those scrapes, five, six, seven scrapes within, let's call it 20 yards of each other, but there still isn't a lot of security cover around you. You know, there's, there might be some autumn olives or anything like that, but it's still kind of, it's not thick, but it's, there's a little cover. Are you still stopping? Like, and if you are, why are you? um, If there is some, some type of cover, it could be a strip of cover. It could be, you know, because you said the second week of October, there's still a lot of leaves. So when you're, you know, bucks still sees that as cover. Right. You know, if you got leaves on branches, that's still covered to them. It's not wide open yet. So I'll, I'd probably take a shot at it, you know, get within like 30 yards, you know, 40 yards downwind of that or like across like an offwind and maybe catch something sinking in, mm-hmm. you know, or it could be good to like, you 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 kind of step off a little bit. It's almost like a um, observation sit. Yep. I'm here. I'm kind of in the area, but I'm not being like super aggressive. I can see what the deer are doing. Sure. You know, like especially in the big woods, because you know scrapes. Uh, that many scrapes in the second week of October. It could be acorns. It could right. be like a, a a tree that's that's super hot nearby, and they're staging up in this little spot. You know, before they're going to that tree. So I might. You know, try and sit there in the evening and maybe even throw a morning sitting in if you got the time. Because it could be, you know, them coming back. They're hanging out in this little spot coming from that tree or whatever. Mm-hmm. And are you always I, – I know every scenario is different. I'm going to keep saying that just because it is. Yeah. But I'm just trying to, like, yeah. paint a little picture. Are you – when you're setting up, up on scrapes, are you mainly sitting downwind all the time? Yeah, crosswind. I, I like a crosswind. Okay personally i don't i don't know why i think because i've had bucks come in not downwind the scrapes mm-hmm. 
I've had them come in downwind and I've had them lure just come right into a scrape. You know, so it's like for me, if you're 30 yards downwind and that bucks and, and so that takes you 34 yards out of the game. If you can't shoot to that scrape, you know, you can. But if that buck's coming straight into that scrape, you're, you don't have much of a shot opportunity because right. it's coming like right at you. First of all, you're like you're in the line of sight. It could be him walking and he can see you move in the tree because, you know, you might be too high skylined or something. You know, or they get to that scrape, as we all know, or a couple scrape and just sit there for 10 minutes and just watch. Yep. And then there, there's there's your little window of shooting. It's gone. For me, if I sit on like, like 40 yards on a crosswind, even if they come in downwind, I'm, I'm still safe. You know, if they come in left or right, you know, however it might be, I can still usually squeeze a shot off. And I'm not being like super aggressive sitting on it. You know, if they come in at dark and – I see him make the video. I see him and I lose uh, shooting light. I'm still in a safe spot where I'm not going to get winded by other deer. Gotcha. So I'll wait a few, wait an hour, whatever I can kind of slowly get down and, you know, get out of Dodge. I got you. So you're sitting basically to the max of your comfort of shooting. Yes. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, if- I've shot deer at 50 yards. I, I, I can't say I don't recommend it, but I'm a, I'm a good shot. Uh, I'm, well-versed at shooting distance, but, and the fading light, the last year of, you know, especially my eyes aren't what they used to be now, <laughs> you know, that last 15 minutes light, like you can't see twigs. Right. So me, sh- you know, so 40 yards, like the max I'm shooting at, at gray light, because I feel like I could still, with my binoculars, I can still make out some, all right, there's a tree, there's some brush where to shoot, not to shoot, Yep. you know? And that's just some personal thing. Like 10 years ago, I seen a lot better. I need glasses, you know, like my eyes were a lot better. It'd be a different story. Yeah. I could see branches. I could see things. Now I'm like, I can't see shit. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag dad life, man. You're getting old. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's lovely. (laughs) Oh, so the scrape thing is it, it really scrapes get me fired up. Like when I'm, when I'm scouting in season scouting or walking around, if, if I know I'm going to a spot and I come by a scrape, you know, I take 10 minutes and I analyze it like, okay, is this a spot where I really feel like I need to be? Or, you know, however long it takes me to analyze it. But when I see a scrape, it I don't know, it gets me fired up. When I see rubs, it is what it is. You know, like I just yeah. know there's bucks in the area. Um, yeah. But scrapes get me fired up. And I feel like scrapes are, they're very, um, I don't know what the best word for it is. They're very uh, hit or miss. They're very touchy. Yes. Because, yes. you know, it's there's a lot of things to a scrape, a lot of different entities to it. You know, there's different scenarios and you have to be, I feel like on your game at all times to get a buck to come into that scrape. Yes. Do you agree? And I do believe like some, some scrapes have, have it all. A deer will visit them. I mean, I've, I've run cameras on scrapes for years now and some scrapes just, you look at it on paper or an area. So they're like, why are deer coming here? And it's just always got bail activity. And other scrapes, it's like, man, this deck be coming here all the time. And they'll they'll get worked over like twice. And then you're like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. So some scraping spots areas, especially like in the big like a big wood setting, I think some areas are better than others. Some areas are duds. But you know, I found one spot this year. Actually, I did a, a YouTube video on it. There's so many big scrapes and massive rubs on this little L-shaped high knob. To me, it's like, there's like three 
big trails coming into it. It's like, it's got to get a lot of daylight activity. It can't have be that many big scrapes because it can't be one buck walking over seven car hood size scrapes. Right. It just can't. You know, I mean, I guess it could, but the odds of that actually happening, I don't, I think it's numerous bucks coming here. It's like a, a central, it's almost like a little hub of a wheel. Yep. You know, all this stuff going on, it's like the only bit of terrain feature in that whole area. It goes up about 10 feet. And deer love terrain. You know, they, they love features. It's almost like a, you know, a tower. They're all just kind of going to this tower. So I'm super excited about that spot. I Is think, that the video you know, that it, you had right next to the pond? No, that was another. That was a scrape line coming from uh, the private on the public. That's right. Where that's, I mean, that was the same thing. It was like scrape every, you know, 10 yards, like car hood size scrapes. Yep. But it, I followed that thing, that scrape line for a long time. And that spot around the pond that um, I probably have good luck seeing a lot of deer. Maybe not a shooter. I think I'll see a lot of deer because that beaver pond is just forcing all these deer. They have to go around it, you know, yep. and 10, 15 years ago, that probably wasn't a beaver pond. So I'm using that beaver pond and, you know, as a, as a terrain feature to force yep. the deer around. I think that's why they're all scraping there. Didn't you but, say there was a little elevation change right there though, too? Yeah, there's a little, not, there's a little, um, little spine. It kind of dropped off into, um, like swamp. So it's like, like the beaver pond, a little bit of like dry ground, you know, earning, you know, 15 yards and it gets down in the swamp and you know, we all know. And that's that type of swamp where the, where I found that, like, that's the swamps. Like I call it like a floating bob. Like you walk into it and you like go up to your waist. Yep. So if the deer have a choice to walk between that, I mean, they'll go through it. I mean, they got no problem going through water, but it's like day to day. Why walk through that if you don't need to? Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Cause the, the scrape line thing is, is it's a it's a whole other ball game to me sometimes yeah. as well because like you said you followed a scrape line forever you know it's yeah. i don't know how long how long did that end up being do you think how far um probably a good 150 yards i mean that's i would say maybe 200 like yeah. that's a big that's the longest scrape line i've ever found and it was like literally like every 10 or 15 yards but like i said it's literally coming from private i mean if you look at <laughs> You look at where it was, and then it's literally a straight line to where <laughs> those people are feeding the deer, basically. You know, they, yep. they had all kinds of stuff out there. You know, so I'm like, these guys feel in the morning and the evening, they're coming, you know, hitting that spot up pretty good. But and, yeah, like seeing that was exciting because you're like, there's a lot of thick cover around. There's a couple of open spots. And like where that beaver pond is, it's like, I won't say it's a slam dunk, but I mean, that beaver pond's deep. Like I tried, I was like, maybe it's not too bad. Like I went in about like five feet in or like, I'm already up my knee, top yep. of my knee boots, five foot in. So I'm like, this deer, they don't have to swim across that pond. Right. Not saying that they wouldn't, but why just swim across the pond and check a scrape, but you can just walk around the pond. Mm -hmm. And there's no human pressure there. Um, I don't think because there wouldn't be that much buck sign if right. there's much human pressure, you know? So where that beaver pond is, is that where it gets the most narrowed down, like the most concentrated? Yeah. Is yeah, it like kinda, a little bottleneck or something? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. You got that spine, you got the swamp, and it kind of gets real open, and it's just, you know, pretty much it's, it's like a funnel, bottleneck, whatever your yep. pinch point, yep. whatever the, the trendy word people are using this time of year. <laughs> yeah. So you know? why don't you think you'd see a shooter right there, though? I mean, it's... 
it's because not really a destination. Like you're, you're hunting a trail. You're, you're hunting near food. You know, and I'm pretty far away from food. Um, he could, I mean, he could be bad. You know, hundred yards off that the guy's food plot. I wouldn't know. Right. You know, and and said and and scrapes. It could be a little a bunch of dinks making all those scrapes. I don't know. You right. know, like yep. I didn't see. You know, I seen one big rub in the area, like one really good rub, a couple other rubs, but it was more scrape, scrapish. I guess is that really a word? Mm-hmm. I guess yep. we'll go with that. But it's just a lot of scrapes, and in in my past experiences, a lot of young, a lot of young and year and a half, ten year old, two and a half year olds will do a lot of scraping. You know, because they're all just jacked up, all that hormones. Yep. So it's a spot where I could see a shooter, but it doesn't scream like mega giant, but I could be dead wrong. <laughs> well, and you're you know? probably thinking too, like you might be just off, like you're just yeah. on the fringe of where you, you, you need to get a little closer to yeah. like that food. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, for me, I think that'd be a good morning spot. I think in the evening it might be a bit much because you know, what are the odds of them going around that beaver pond in, in the evening? You know, because, you know, they can just kind of go around the other way. But in the morning, you know, they're they're usually kind of want to get to an area, you know, in my in my experience. I I'm a better morning guy anyway. I always like morning spots. You know, I like, to like I feel like I can make things happen in the morning better in the evening. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, I've shot a few bucks, you know, you set up in the morning, you know, and you see something off in the distance and you go make the move and you shoot him at, you know an hour later because you kind of know where he's going. But in the evening you're stuck in this tree and nothing happens. You're like, great. I got a 45 minute walk out in the dark and I might <laughs> blow that deer out walking in the dark, you know? Right. Yeah. But like I said, those, those spots, high traffic areas, like it's probably a better rut spot, you know, late October um, area, but I'm going to throw a few sits at it. Um, I'd like to put a cell camera out there, but I don't know if I get, sir. I don't. I don't get the best cell phone service out there, so I don't even think a cell camera will work uh, out there. Which is kind of bullshit. People yeah. just make cheaper Wi-Fi, so you can get within 200 yards of things, <laughs> download all the pictures. Yeah, that'd be great. Maybe you should know, get, you should come up with one yourself. <laughs> yeah, but I think that big scraping area that uh, I said that that big scraping area on the L, that knob, and that beaver pond. I think I'll have some success this year on that. Be, and I say success in a way that I'll see deer. Whether it's a deer I want to shoot or not, you know, because he might not be coming through that day. That's, you know, that's just hunting. Mm-hmm. But I will see deer, you know, and I'll probably see a couple good deer. But after getting, finding some of the rubs and some of the tracks I found and, you know, big tracks, big rubs, big scrapes, I'm, I'm hoping I'm, – hoping i can wait wait out something bigger right because i will shoot every 130 inch deer that comes by me amen brother. No problem. amen <laughs> yeah it's like yeah so i'd like to say in my mind i'm like i'm gonna hold out i'm gonna wait for a big and but if 130 inch deer walks by i'm like and you're dead yeah that's just gonna wait that's the way it's gonna be you know? yeah what so going into a big wood scenario like that like what is your like what is your perfect scenario that you're looking for to set up to hunt in September and October? Like I, you're a, you love hunting October and I do yes. too. 
like you want to kill the deer early. So like, what mm-hmm. would be your like when you're scouting? What are you looking for to be like? Yep, that is my October spot. I am going to kill something there or have a good opportunity at something. Like, what does that look like? Rubs, really, and yearly like yearly signpost rubs. You know those perennial rub spots where you find them. It's a rub like a rub line. It's like that tree's been rubbed forever. That tree's been rubbed forever. So, you know, bucks have been always coming through there. I love finding, you know, as a lot of people might know, you know, I, I do love my rubs. I find a lot of good beds by deciphering rubs and I can, you know, get an indication of the type of deer is actually in the area with a rub. Cause you look at a rub, you got big, tall tine marks up high. That's a bigger deer. You know, it, if it's just, a big tree and there's no time marks up high. That's just a, you know, two and a half year old deer and a half old deer's all jacked up, you know, yep. um, might not be genetically gifted big body, but he might not be genetically gif- gifted in the horns. But, you know, I can, I mean, I've got two deer in the wall where I know I killed a deer that made the rubs because the rubs disappeared the following year. So mm-hmm. I love finding rubs and then trying to find out where that deer would bed you know, for those rubs. And I have a lot of luck doing that, a lot of success. You know, I, I probably just a good amount of luck, you know, uh, mixed with skill to find these beds. And I love hunting right over their beds in October, early morning. So you let's know. say, let's say you find a rub, like a big rub. You know, this is yeah. a big deer. It's a deer you want to pursue. You're sitting at the tree. What are you doing next to decipher where's this deer bedding? Yeah. So find out which way these rubs are headed, which direction, you know, say they're headed, you know, northwest, you know, they're all headed northwest and northerly based. So for me, I backtrack. I start heading, you know, southeast looking for other ones, looking for other rubs or possible bedding or maybe even food, you know. I think a lot of people see a big rub and like, oh my God, big rub. But if you sit there and look at the rub, you're like, all right, if he's coming in here, you know, especially if you find a rub, say during the fall, like you're scouting, you're going in and it's kind of thick still. You look at this big rub and you're like, oh, you look at it and you kind of look back where the deer is coming from. You can usually see what's direction that deer is coming from. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, it looks like he's coming through there, you know, and he gives you and you kind of go off that. You know, so spring season scouting, uh, I do the same thing. I um, I love trying to figure out why that rub is there. You know, is it, you know, is it food based? Is it bed based? Is it you know a rut based rub? So, you know, having your digital you know platform out there, and you just go off of that. And I know I make it sound like like it's easy, but I've been, you know following rubs i used to take pictures of rubs you know 15 years ago i'd always carry pictures of like a picture book of rubs in the woods look for certain time marks certain features and i have fascination with rubs (laughs) that's no that's good though (laughs) like so when you find a big rub and let's say you backtrack it to a bed like what's the closest bed you've ever found to a rub do you know what do you mean? Like how that? far, like how many yards? Like is the closest one, like I've, after a big rub, like 30 yards and you're like, holy shit. Like I've, geez. I've found them right by a bed before, you know, really? like some of the big signpost rubs. I me, that's like, Hey, that's a yearly bed. Like, you know, probably rub base, whatever he's in here. 
and that's his bed where he beds all the time. But usually, you know, it's them big mega rubs are, in my own honest uh, opinion, like I said, I'm, I'm not an expert by any means. I don't feel big bucks will bed close to where they're bedding. I do. I, I mean, a lot of guys you see, they find beds and big rubs. For me, that's usually not the case. Like I'll find like an isolated bed and there's nothing near it. You know, I go 20, 30 yards out, you might see a rub or something. I think some of these, you know, rubs are a magnet for people. Everybody great. You see a big rub in the woods, like you, you automatically walk to it. You don't walk away from it. Right. And you're touching it, looking at it, you know, especially in season. But bucks bedding in a, in a nice isolated bed, some of these older bucks, they're not going to rub or make sign near their bed. They're going to go, you know, far away. You know, so in my own personal, back when I used to like do a lot of data logging and, and tracking with GPS and everything, 100, 150 yards, I find like a big rub, I would do like a, a circle, 150 yards, you know, and kind of like do like circle around that rub. And I would find beds sometimes in that 100 to 150 yard range. And I don't know if it was just by luck, you know, that I find the beds or if these bucks were just not rubbing where they're bedding. Right. You know, and I kind of got lucky with that. I'm going to try and walk, you know, and this, it's almost like grid searching for a lost deer. Here's last blood, you know, and you start circling, you know, and you got a, a GPS and now you got, you know, all the, your, your digital platforms on your phone. You can literally track your, where you're going. So scouting's you can make scouting super efficient now because of your phones. You don't need right. to really go walk about, you know, and you're like, it's like shed hunters, you know, that, they're very methodical how they walk and find sheds. Use that same mindset for finding beds, you know? It's a good point. It's a good way to put it, too. So let's say you find a big rub. Let's say you backtrack, I don't know, let's just say 100 yards, just for speaking. Yeah. And you find a bed, okay? Let's say that bed is just sits to the east of the rub that you found on the west, just for speaking. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. that big rub it's only got the one side rubbed where he'd be coming from his bed, but there's nothing on yes. the back side of it. What does that tell yes. you? That means he's probably heading that direction out of that bed in that general direction, yep. you know? Um, so to me, I'm like, all right, he's traveling North, you know, Westish, Northish, yep. or like, I, I like a lot of bucks. They, they do like a cross whip. So if they even like anything northernly based, then you're like, all right, normally base wins. Okay. That gives you something to go off of, you know, because, you know, he could bed on the south wind too. You know, it's, you know, a, a good true south, you know, he, you know, southwest, it's kind of walking on a crosswind, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, all right, it, it could be a bed that offers him multiple, you know, ways to leave this area, you know, protected, yep. so to speak, you know, and, you know, if it's bedding out of the north, like he might, skirt up a little bit high and some thick brush and then expose yourself near that rub, you know, or that could be like his little, you know, safety zones, that rub, he's not going to leave that rub, you know, until it's dark. You know, I, I think of all these, these dumb things in my head when I find sign, like why would a deer leave the sign here? What time would he leave it? You know? And what was his thinking? And I've had so many different scenarios in my head. And I think he just, get over you can overcomplicate it real fast yeah yeah definitely you know? and 
with the rub not on the backside of that tree, does that necessarily not? Does it not necessarily mean that he's not coming back to his bed that way? Maybe that's just part of his loop, or yeah, you know, do you yeah, put, do woods, you look at that at all? Yeah, I mean, in in the big woods, for me, you know, their 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 beds usually are they're kind of scent check them, um, and visually check them before they get in. I wouldn't say you know, it's not like mountain country where you know, he, the steep bluff, you know, he knows nothing's coming up. So he can kind of skirt, maybe not complete scent, check it. He beds her all the time. He can visually check it and be okay. But in the big woods, that's flat. I think they will almost always be coming in downwind or crosswind, smelling that bed. And a lot of these rubs, you know, unless it's like a, a due east wind, he's probably not going to walk that same trail, you know? Like, yep. especially in big woods, the browse, like, all right, I'm going to come out here. I'm going to eat some acorns, have some browse, check out some ladies. I'm going to come in from the south or I'm going to come in from, like, you know, the east and, and set, check it that way and loop it around that way. As I said, big woods, it, as anybody that hunts it, these deer will just go walk about for days. It could be a three-day loop. It could be a four-day loop. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he might be in that bed only twice a week. So he's coming out. All right, here's my spot. You know, and I'm going to make a giant loop. I'll be back in a couple of days. Yeah, that's so. When you find that rub or that bed, are you have you ever put a camera on them, or do you just say I'm not going to screw around with that? I'm just going to start throwing sits at it. Um, I've I've put cameras on rubs. Um, I put some on beds, and everyone I've had a camera stolen over our bed, which kind of sucks because it was a really good bed a few years ago. So I've kind of, I don't really put them on beds anymore. Um, first of all, you got to, you got to bump them out and disturb them. Right. You know, and you know, if not, you got to run a cell cell camera or, or solar thing and, or another battery pack. And to me, it's just like more things for humans to pick up on. Yep. Cause I know like I, I can pick out, you know, a trail camera pretty easily walking in the woods. So I look for them, you know, cause you see them, they, they stick out, especially once the leaves dropped, you know, or, you know, it's just one of those things I'd rather not put it near um, a bed because people just like, oh, I'm going to sit right here and just blow it out. Yep. You know, like rubs, you know, I'll put it, you know, 12 feet up high and nobody really bothers them. It's on a rub, whatever, you know, scrape, same thing. I'll put them up in a tree. Most people don't, I've had guys come underneath, look at the scrape, but never see the camera up in the tree, mm-hmm. you know? But it seems like beds, like I said, I got that one stolen, and it's like, mm, yeah. <laughs> this kind of left a bad taste, and I was like, man, this going to be great. I'm going to get all this intel. I put, like, a little solar panel on it, like a little battery pack. I was like, it's going to be great. I'm running all season. Don't even know what happened. Don't know when it got stolen. So it's like, eh, I'm good. Yeah. Now, you, you find – we have this scenario. You found a big rub. You found the bed. Are you – going to start throwing sits at the bed or are you going to throw, start throwing sits at the rub and kind of start moving in gradually towards the bed? Like, what are you going to do? I'll, I'll have a tree for both and I'll try say the, the rub first, you know, and then say like an evening sit on the rub. Yep. Nothing, you know, uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll go in. Cause usually you said that from a hundred yards away from the bed, um, I'm not really going to hurt that deer leaving his bed. And then uh, like the next morning or so I'll throw a sit on, on the, on the bed. Are you more apt bed. to s- sit on the bed in the morning or evening? Morning. Morning. Okay. Um, yeah. I, 
for me, you know, it's uh, John Eberhardt with the whole destination. You know, you want to hunt destination points. For me, in the like a big wood section, uh, big wood hunting, even in the mountains, deer want to get to that bed. You usually got a specific route to that bed. But in the evening, they're sitting in the bed. It's like, you know what? I don't really need to, I don't have a specific plan. I can just, like, I've had them get up and just go the other direction. And then you're like, walking with the wind at their back and everything. And you're like, what? Why? Yeah. Why are you walking with the wind at your back? Right. But it's like, but in the morning, I feel like they want to get to that bed. So I have, you know, he wants to get into this bed. He's going to usually kind of come in, you know, kind of downwind, maybe downwind or, or maybe straight into it. But I'm going to be 30 yards off that bed, 40 yards off that bed and kind of set up that way. Okay. And are you getting it like stupid early? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I'm like in the mountains uh, when I hunt over beds, you know, I'm, if I got an hour hike in, you know, 45 minute hike in, I'll be quiet two hours for light. Okay. Which is like a lot of people think it's crazy, but it, it works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had industry, you know, gurus, if you'll call them, uh, tell me I'm dead wrong. And it's like, well, I got a bunch of data that says I'm right. So <laughs> well, I that's the I'll thing. just keep doing my thing. <laughs> I hate that because that's the thing. Like you, you've been very successful at that just because maybe they've never tried it or they're not successful. Yeah. doesn't mean it's not right or wrong. Well, I said, <laughs> yeah. Like the, I mean, my reason for the morning is I've done the evening sit thing and I don't have much success at it. So after a couple of years of trying that and it's not working, it's like, well, this is dumb. I'm getting the same result. Shit. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to do what I shouldn't do. And it's like, holy shit, it works. Yep. So it's like, and the first time it's always a fluke. I'm like, ah, it's just a fluke. And then the following year, like it worked again. And then like two years later, it worked again. I'm like, wait a minute, maybe this is something. There's there, something to there's this. Something to this. <laughs> yeah. And maybe it's just the way I process things. You know, like I hunt with guys that love the evenings. They just, I mean, they kill big deer all the time in the evenings. And it's like, and how they kill them, I'm like, doesn't make any sense. He goes, sure it does. This, this, and then it's like, he's talking Chinese to me. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're saying right now. <laughs> I don't, it, it doesn't make any sense. But in his mind, how he's reading it and how his brain's like breaking down the code, I guess it's a hundred percent success in his brain and it works. And it's like, well, good for you, dude, because I don't understand anything you just said. And I'm, I'm, I'm concerned for your well being Cause that made no <laughs> sense whatsoever. Well, he's got a wall full of beer. So I'm like, well, it must make sense to you. Keep doing so, what you're doing. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, that's the downfall of, of social media, is you have to do things a certain way. This person says you need to shoot a bow this way. This person says that's terrible. You need to do it this way. This, this, this. And it's like, no, you, you need to take what this person's saying. Uh, I, that makes sense to me. I get that. What this person's saying, uh, I get that, and kind of blend it together. Right. Do your own thing off of that because you know I've learned a lot from everybody, mm-hmm. you know, from – old Roger Ragland, Miles Kellers, all the way up to Dan Infault, to the, some of these these new, you know, these younger guys that are just like slaying hammers. And it's like, there's just always something to learn by somebody that's doing something that, you know, right. you would never think of doing. Yep. You know? Amen, that's brother. That's about podcasts. You know, podcasts are great because you can literally pick somebody's brain that has success doing something, which is completely insane if you would think about it like 10 years ago. That shit never works. Yeah, exactly. And then you see the guy's videos and you're like, wow, it works yep. like, really well. Oh, yep. 
all right, I'm going to try and incorporate some of that, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing. That's why I like talking to you about the Bigwood stuff because – to me, you're the you're the godfather at it in a way, and you know my family farm is big woods. So a lot of what yeah. you're, a lot of the questions I asked you are kind of centered around scenarios mm-hmm. that I've had and things that I've come across, rub scrapes, scrape lines, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I want to pick your brain about it. And I've got like three different spots that I want to run out to right now and check, you know, yeah. and and just try like, them differently, you know. Yep. Yeah. Like I always tell people, I, I tell myself all the time, like you're going to be wrong and fail more times. You're going to be right. And you right. need to own that. Love it. Like take that and like, I love, it's like wear it with pride because you know, you can't make the old, you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs mentality. Like you were going to be wrong more times. You're going to be right. And I think a lot of people struggle with that because they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to admit defeat or say they, that they don't know. Right. Listen, these deer are going to beat you up. They're going to humble you and you just need to be like, oh, checkmate, get it, you know, take it. When a deer beats you, own it, man. Love it. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's you know? a great, that's a great way to put it. Cause I, I mean, I, I was hunting this deer a few years ago and I'll never forget. It just humbled me so you know, much. This big buck came out of the salt marsh and this nice seven pointer. And I couldn't get a shot on, on the big buck and, you know, six or seven point or whatever. And they kind of fed off. Well, the big buck, he must've caught my scent way off. I mean, I watched him feed off and he backtracked me. Well, he sent the seven pointer out and he sent this six or seven pointer where it was right to my tree. And I'm looking at this deer and they kind of, I was like, Oh, he's here. I'm looking all around. I'm like, man, big guy's gotta be around here. So I'm moving my head left and right all around, all around making all this movement. And I look up and he's standing in the shadows, just sitting in the back, waiting for watching movement in the trees. Cause he knew he was beat by a hunter and he wanted to come back and make sure he was never beat again. <laughs> so it's like, to me, I'm, I'm watching this thing and he, and he's, I mean, this deer steer scanning in the trees. He's looking left, he's looking right. And meanwhile, the seven pointer is like all around my tree, like sniff my tree, sniff my steps. And then me and the big buck, we make eye contact. And I'm like, oh my goodness. He's there. I'm looking at this. I look down. I was like, he sent his buddy in to get killed just so he could learn. And then this buck just pretty much just disappeared into the darkness. Never seen that deer. Never got a trail camera picture of him. Like he completely went ghost and rubs disappeared from the area. And he just, he vanished like thin air. And I'm like, wow. And to me, that's so humbling because it's like I beat him, but I couldn't get a shot off. And then he ended up beating me in, in, in on the back end. And it's like, wow, I got beat twice. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> oh. But it's so cool because it's like, that's so smart. That That's how they learn. Some, I mean, not every deer is going to do that. You know, but it's like certain deer out there are just unkillable, I guess, if you will. Or just have a, a rabbit's foot on them. But they're always learning, always surviving. And I think that's what it, you know separates uh, these Older, some of these older bucks versus, you know, I've killed some six-year-old deer, some three-year-old deer, and the six-year-old deer for me, well, just that's where it's at. I don't care if it's 80 inches or 180 inches. I want a six or seven-year-old deer because he's bested everybody in that area. Yep. You know, you're killing like the king, so to speak, and that's to me is you know, inches are meaningless to me. 
I agree, man. I, I, I'd, I'd lie to you if, if I said uh, they didn't mean just anything to me because it, it yeah. is like nice to have, yeah. but like mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, when you can beat the mature deer in the area and yep. beat him at his own game on his turf, there's nothing yep. better than that. Yeah. You know, and it's a shame that, you know, the, the hunting role revolves around inches. Yes. You know, yep. there's so many good hunters out there that just live in a shitty area. You know, like I live in New Jersey. It, it, there's some good genetics around here, but I hunt public and you can kill five or six bucks depending on the area. Well, the odds bait. of a hundred, yeah, 108 inch deer making it that long on, on public, it's not happening or it's, a, it's an anomaly, you know, but Northeast Kansas, you know, that's a different story. <laughs> exactly. Or Iowa is a different story. You're like, yep. wow. So those guys get a lot of attention when they're killing nice deer. But if you were to look at say a guy in, in Western Maryland, Deer don't get big, but the guy with a rifle or a bow lays down big deer every year, every other year. Yep. Like that dude's putting in work, you know, to shoot a hundred inch deer. And you're like, wow, that's insane. But that's how it goes, I guess. For sure, man. I think that's a good place to stop this. If you're, uh, if you're yep. good with that, man. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on and doing this again. I mean, yeah, it's man. always fun talking to you and. I mean, I got to yeah. go back and look at my notes and just probably listen to this podcast <laughs> another time or two and just get out in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I, I mean, uh, I, like I even tell like my stepdaughter, like she in the field hockey at dance and she doesn't necessarily like failing or, or not getting something. I'm like, listen, kid, you better make peace with it because it's going to part of your life from now to the day you die. Yep. And, you know, with that same with, with hunting and same with everything, like you just got to learn to fail, you know, learn to accept it. Like, all right. That's cool. Failure is part of the game, man. You know, just that's how we learn. Yep. Yep. Embrace the suck, whatever the word is or slang they're using. Yep. I think a lot of people, hunters are just, we're so, uh, especially like social media has made it worse because everyone's put this image out there, like some great hunter. No, you're not, man. (laughs) Like nobody's (laughs) really great, you know, because you can't, what makes a great hunter? Is, is it the area, is it the theater, your, your methods and how you're doing it? Like there's too many variables to say someone's a great hunter. Yeah. You know, like if I lived in Iowa, I'd have a wall full of fucking monsters. Mm-hmm. I know that and not sound cocky. I know that for a fact Yeah. because there's a lot more bigger deer. First of all, out there, if I was a resident of Iowa, I'd have, you know, you know, I'd probably be getting paid a lot of money to be a hunter right now. That'd be my job because I don't mind putting in the work. And out there, you don't have to work so hard either. So if I put my work ethic out in Iowa or Kansas somewhere, like I'd be killing monsters straight up all the time. Well, and I'll stick by, I've heard this a long time ago, and I stick by it. You're only as good as your property and the deer that are on it. You know what I mean? Like me, and I say it all the time, 115-inch deer comes by me here in Michigan. If I know he's at least three years old, or I think yeah, he is, and he, he's, he, <laughs> dude, he's not taking four more steps without an yeah. arrow through his chest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just where I'm at. But if I go last year, I went out to Kansas and, you know, I'm not going to kill anything unless it's a four and a half year old. It, yeah. It's just what it is. Or to, to Iowa or Illinois, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, it's a little different, but I'll tell you what, I feel yeah. just as excited about that 115 inch three-year-old as I do about the seven and a half year old, 186 inch deer I killed in Iowa. You know what I mean? Yep. It's just, it is what it is. Absolutely. I don't know. You know it's, I, I tell, you know, one of my greatest deer I've ever killed for me personally, it's not even a buck. It's a doe. I killed my first mountain deer 
was a big deal. It had to be, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, 11 years ago. Yep. For me, like that's a crowning achievement. Like I spent three years trying to get a shot at a deer in the mountains. And I finally did it. I was all by myself camping in the, you know, camping out in the woods, doing everything, no shower, no nothing. And killing that doe was like, and that was like the, uh, like the boost that I needed, like confidence wise. And it was like, wow, these mountain deer aren't, you know, I thought they were like some mythical creature that didn't exist, you <laughs> yeah. know? And that was like, it, it just fueled that fire. It's like, all right, I gotta go back. I want a buck now. You know, yeah. I waited three years to kill a buck, you know? So it's like, you know, my, my greatest deer is a doe. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. You know? Yeah. It really is. I tell people that and they're like, why are you so proud of a doe? I'm like, cause it started something. And you like worked it, your it, ass it, off for it too. Yeah. You know, and dragging that thing out by yourself. Like I was like, a, you know, it was 45 minute walk just by myself. I had to drag this doe out, you know, in like the middle of October. So it's hot. You know, I shot her <laughs> in the evening, went back in the morning. I'm dragging this thing out. I was like, I'm dying. But it was so great. Cause I'm like, I did it. Like I did something I set out to do. I'm like, I love this, you know? Work harder, kids. Everybody listening. Work yeah. out there. Work harder and be humble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and embrace exactly. the suck. That's where we're going to stop. Yeah, right. Embrace the suck. <laughs> well, Greg, thank you again, man. I appreciate it. I'm going to yeah, cut man. you loose here. We're going to do this again right, for cool. sure. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. See you. And there you have it. Another great episode. Like I said at the beginning, Greg, thank you very much for coming on. It's always good to catch up with Greg. And uh, he is, he's unbelievable. He's, he's got the wall to back it up, all of his tactics and what he does. He's very humble about it, and he loves putting in the work to do what, he, what it takes to, to kill the deer he wants to get after. I do want to shout out his YouTube channel. Go to The Bowhunting Fiend. It's F-I-E-N-D, Bowhunting Fiend. Um, on YouTube, he's got a ton of videos up there, some really cool content. Also, he's on Instagram. I believe he's on Facebook. Don't quote me on that, though. I don't follow him on Facebook, I don't think. I only look up my Instagram. So he is on there and puts a lot of uh, information up there as well. So, yeah. But thank you guys very much. Don't forget, go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, and leave a written review, please, and thank you. And don't forget, we'll be right here next week on the Fall Podcast. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.